Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC.
on Newsnight in the next 60 minutes. United Nations study on covers high ammunition circulation in Ghana and other West African countries posing significant danger to peace and security. There's enormous competition, including military grade competition, of course, around the world, armed conflict. And uh, we found that effective weapons and ammunition management in countries can do a great deal. Tonight, we're here from President Akufado, who has joined African leaders to take on the United Nations and world powers for failing Africa in the midst of its numerous conflicts, particularly in West Africa. We must also call down on conflict. The international community must strengthen its commitment to arrest the flow of arms and violent people into West Africa. We feel no sense of the international solidarity that we believe we should receive. We have details as the president calls for drastic and immediate changes to the UN security architecture. The time was low long overdue to correct the long-standing injustice that the current structure and composition of the United Nations Security Council represent for the nations of Africa. Also tonight, minority sounds alarm bells on government's plans to collateralize Ghana's 10 oil field to secure a loan of $431 million from Latisco SA. GMPC is raising this facility from Latisco and Look Oil, and in return, they are giving out our oil to this company for the next five and a half years. Indeed, all of the oil in the 10 fields and in business, Ghana's economic growth for second quarter slows to 3.2% due to challenges in some sectors. Also on Newsnight, Elections Committee of MPP fights of claims its superintendent over a flawed election as it insists aggrieved aspirants like Alan Chamanting, who pulled out from the race, couldn't use internal structures to address their concerns. Voters on 26th August was very fair and uh, I believe for one or two incidents that took place, I think even the aspirants, when they came here, some of them came to congratulate us. Uh, you want to stay with us uh, here on Newsnight. I want to hear from you, 055 My name is Evans Mensah. The United Nations has tonight uncovered a worrying trend of high ammunition circulation in Ghana and other West African countries posing a significant danger to peace and security. And that's according to the latest weapons and ammunition baseline assessment con conducted uh, by the United Nations Institute for Disarmament. Uh, the West African sub region has in recent times grappled with challenges of military takeovers and widespread activities of violent extremism, which is highly associated with arms rates confronting the region. Now, in a bid to tackle the situation, the Economic Community of West African State ECOWAS is exploring close collaboration with the United Nations uh, uh, research team. Uh, stakeholders drawn from uh, ECOWAS member states converge in the crowd to discuss the way forward. Now, Director for the United Nations Institute for Disarmament Research, Robin uh, Gers, is direct, has directed uh, uh, mm. uh, the partners uh, to work together uh, to deal with this particular problem, highlighting the danger it poses 
closest to peace and security in Ghana and beyond. And we're not naive about this. Disarmament is not in a good state right now. There's enormous competition, including military, great competition, of course, around the world, armed conflict, uh, and so on. And uh, for us, of course, disarmament, you know, we don't look at it in isolation. It's connected to everything else. Conflict, disarmament issues are deeply interlinked with development issues. And I think, therefore, it's an issue that must concern us all with one another. And that's really what we're trying to support as a UN think tank uh, entity. The multilateral level, linking it to regional efforts, understanding what is happening in countries, what are the specific problems that need solutions so that we don't have, you know, uh, lofty debates, but really problem-oriented debates, and then bringing it back to the multilateral level and hopefully integrating it into treaty discussions or even treaties and instruments mm. going forward. And let's talk about your initial findings. Uh, what are some of them and what are some of the key factors going into the engagement? Yeah, so we, since 2016, have been conducting uh, in West Africa weapons and ammunition management baseline assessments. And we found that effective weapons and ammunition management in countries can do a great deal uh, in mitigating drivers of conflict and, and armed violence. And so we've developed a whole methodology and different tools that we bring to states, discuss with states, and then together we try to implement them in support of the states at the national national level, really with, with the uh, aim to enhance their weapons and ammunition management uh, policies. And I think that has worked quite well. This is why the collaboration has started in 2016 and is ongoing today in 2023. So I do think countries are benefiting from this collaboration. And if anything, we hope to be expanding and continuing it in the future. Well, tonight we're also hearing from Nigerian President Bola Ahmed Tinubu, who also chairs the ECOWAS, accusing foreign entities of pumping billions of dollars to fuel tension and armed conflict in the region. And that region is locked and protected by truth against violent extremists and the turmoil a dark channel of inhuman commerce has formed. Along the route, everything is for sale. At the same time, machineries and extremists with their lethal weapons and vile ideologies invade our region from the north. This harmful traffic undermines the peace and stability of entire region. African nation will improve our economics so that our people do not risk their life to sweep the floors and streets of other nations. We also shall devote ourselves to disbanding extremist groups on our toes. Foreign entities abetted by local criminals who aspire to be petty warlords have drafted thousands of people into servitude to illegally mine gold and other resources. Billions of dollars meant to improve the nation's economy now fuel violent enterprises. If left unchecked, they will threaten peace and place national security at a grave danger. Well, in Ghana uh, right now, uh, there is also that conversation happening. We are hearing from the Small Arms Commission uh, that is admitting that we are getting a, a serious influx uh, of these arms and ammunitions uh, in uh, the country and is posing a grave danger now to our own internal security. Uh, listen to Jifa Day Owens, who is a research officer at the Small Arms Commission. 
Um, I would say that in the first quarter of the year for Ghana, it's been relatively low, but after the first quarter, it has shot up by months. So as we are getting towards the end of the year, what we are worried about is that the figures might keep going up. And that is something that we are looking to prevent as a commission. Well, when you say it's going up, give us an idea of how bad the situation is. I would say the situation is not the best, but thankfully for Ghana, it is not, um, let me say, as bad as other West African countries because we have a substantial level of peace and security in Ghana. But uh, we do not want it to get to the point where we are unable to control it and then it leads into conflict that will lead to loss of lives and other properties. So from what we've noticed, it appears that every month the numbers go up from the previous month. So for example, if, say, in the month of May, we had about 15 cases involving small arms and light weapons, you realize that in the following months, we have close to um, about 20. Um, um, the numbers are not very yes, specific, precisely. though. It's just an estimate. Uh, yes. yes. We, sh we should be concerned because uh, the issue is around us. Well, uh, on this same subject of the conflict in the sub-region, we've already heard the accusation from the Nigerian president that foreign powers are pumping billions of dollars uh, uh, into the sub-region in terms of the procurement of arms and fueling uh, violent uh, conflicts. Well, today our own president, Akufado, has joined uh, that same call. In fact, forging a united front to confront the United Nations and major world powers over their reluctance to intervene in ongoing conflicts that have ravaged the African continent, particularly in the West African sub-region. Uh, this united stance was articulated during the address at the 78th session of the United Nations General Assembly. Listen to our president. Instability in the Sahel and widespread terroristic activities have put West African countries under severe political pressure and economic strain. Several countries in the region have lost vast stretches of territory to the rampaging terrorists. Coup d'etats have re-emerged as, as what some mistakenly hoped would be the solution to the threats that confront their nation. We in the West African region are trying as best as we can under the very trying conditions we face to deal with the situation. We are convinced that the conflicts that continue to plague our continent and our region, in particular, would be more satisfactorily resolved if the international community was to support, not undermine, the efforts of our regional and continental organizations to deal with them. Africans fought and died in the Second World War in defense of Europe and her allies, who reset the world towards the path of peace and prosperity that their nations and citizens have enjoyed for decades now. It is surely time for the world to reciprocate our, our, in our time of need. We do not seek to shirk any responsibility for the problems we face that are of our own making. And it bears repeating that we are not craving for sympathy and we do not want to be a scar on anybody's conscience. But we cannot and the world should not pretend that the present-day economic and social conditions of Africa have nothing to do with the historical injustices that have fashioned the structures of the world. It is time to acknowledge openly that much of Europe and the United States have been built from the vast wealth harvested from the sweat, tears, blood and horrors of the transatlantic slave trade. Well, he called for a drastic and immediate change to the UN security architecture to give Africa a voice. 
But it is also true that the reluctance by the nations that were the major power at the formation of the organization to agree to any reform to reflect present realities has led to the undermining of the credibility of the United Nations and some of its organs, in particular, the Security Council. Mr. President, it has been a sad and disappointing experience for us. We have witnessed it firsthand over and over again that the big powers of the United Nations might be preaching democracy, fairness, and justice around the world, but are happy to practice the opposite here at the United Nations, prioritizing parochial interests over those of humanity. The time was low, long overdue to correct the long-standing injustice that the current structure and composition of the United Nations Security Council represent for the nations of Africa. After serving on the Council at this difficult time in the world, our views on the need for reform have been even more strongly reassessed. We cannot continue to preach democracy, equality and good governance around the globe. We cannot insist on, insist on peace and justice in the world when our global organization is seen by the majority of its members and the people of the world as hampered by an just and unfair structure. For the, fast, for the past year and a half, a full-scale war is being waged in the center of Europe. The United Nations appears unwilling or unable to influence the events taking place in Ukraine. Ghana has sat on the Security Council throughout this period and can testify that the global solidarity we seek to reignite under the umbrella of the UN will only happen if and when it sees those who wield the mighty power of veto. And at the moment, there's nothing to show that these countries have any interest or inclination to do so. Well, let's get some specifics now, and uh, we'll, we'll put this in the international context, but Ghana specifically, as you've heard the uh, UN say tonight, with the circulation of these illicit arms uh, in the country, part of which is fueling the conflict you've seen uh, in the sub region. And as you heard the president say, uh, this obviously has placed us in the middle of a global uh, a conflict situation, and he's asking the West to do far more uh, to, to deal with, with these challenges that Africa uh, is facing. You've heard the uh, the Nigerian president also suggests that the West is actually complicit and fueling uh, these conflicts. But let's let's come to Ghana. Let's bring in uh, J.B. Asante. He's the Deputy Director of Policy Planning and Monitoring Evaluation at the Small Arms Commission uh, joins us right now. Dr. Ishmael Halvo is lecturer at the University of Education, Wedeba, uh, and uh, also an expert in international relations. Uh, thank you uh, for joining us here on Newsnight. Uh, Mr. J.B. Asante, let me start with you. Uh, what, what are the latest numbers when it comes to the illicit circulation of small arms and arms generally uh, in in this country. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. 
And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Hello, Ivan. Yes, Mr. Santa, can you hear me? Yeah, your, 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 your voice is a bit faint. Is it better? Hello? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, but you, you sound far away. Okay, let's, uh, let's try and address that. I want to bring in right now Dr. Ishmael Hlovo, who joins us now. Uh, let's bring in international relations dimensions to this. Uh, hello, Dr. Hlovo. Hello, good evening. Uh, you, you've had the thank you. Yes, you've had the president tonight. He's not alone in this call uh, to, to challenge in the West, taking on the United Nations and world powers, uh, standing by and looking on and doing and doing very little. Then you hear Tinubu say they are actually now complicit in fueling these conflicts. And uh, are they justified in these accessions that they've been making today at the UN General Assembly? Yeah. Um, thank you. Uh, they are justified to the extent that uh, how the major powers behave have a long, uh, goes a long way to affect our local situation there. So if you look at the, the current chain of coups and other things, it's all about the geopolitical repositioning of the global setup. And if you look at how Russia, Ukraine have proceeded, probably because it is the structure of the UN, that the, the way the Security Council is structured, that is making it difficult for the world to resolve this this dispute because it involves one of the permanent members. So when it is like that, the rest of us suffer. Uh, so I think that the, the African leaders are justified to the extent that they want a fairer world. But then again, uh, we must also do more for ourselves than only calling on, on, on other powers to, to help us solve our own problem. Majority of the problem lie with us, not, not, not the other powers. Stay with me, please. Uh, I want to bring in uh, Mr. JB now with the Small Arms Commission on this subject also, because part of the uh, problem is our own inability to deal with the oh circulation boy. of these uh, arms and ammunition as the UN is now picking on. Uh, he joins us now. Uh, hopefully, he can hear me. Hello, Mr. Santi. Can you hear me? Yeah, even I can hear, even though it's a bit faint, but I'm, I'm listening. Please. Fantastic. I, I wanted to know uh, what the latest numbers are when it comes to the circulation of, the, of, of small arms and ammunition generally in the country. Okay, thank you very much, Ivan. Um, it, it is always uh, quite difficult to give a number as to the number of illicit weapons circulating in the country. But at least I can take you back to as far back as 2014 when the Commission conducted a baseline study to determine the number of um, weapons in the country. And it came out that we had about 2.3 weapons in the country as at that time. Um, out of the 2.3, 1.2 were weapons that have been registered by the police and they have them in their records. When well, you say 1.2 million? Were weapons that could not be accounted for. And you know, these are usually based on. Mr. Sante, you, you say, you say 1.2. Yes. Is it million or. 1.1 million, yes. 1.1 million. million. Okay. According to the. That was the estimated figure that was given to be illicit, the number of illicit weapons in the system 
as at that time. Now that is nine years later. Um, it could be more. It could also be less. We, it is difficult to know because, you know, normally these weapons are not declared to anybody. So you wouldn't know. But of course, that is where the concern is. When we hear of the use of um, illicit weapons, you know, in the country, in conflict situations, in crime situations, it's, it's something that is really worrying. And uh, for us, what we say is that it is not necessarily about the number, but uh, these weapons getting into wrong hands and being used in all kinds of uh, atrocities that affect our security. And that can also ultimately affect our development. And and it is with these weapons that, uh, of course, the SAP region in particular has now become very known for conflicts. A lot of coup d'etats. Uh, we have a lot of uh, extremists, especially in the Sahel, uh, making it pretty difficult for governments to, to, to get a grip and have a country that uh, has a semblance of law and order. I want to bring in uh, Professor Kwesiene into the conversation right now on the subject. And, and, and Prof, uh, you listen to the African leaders and, and they complain that the West has done pretty little uh, to help fix the conflict challenges that we are currently experiencing, particularly in the sub-region. Our president has been saying that. But if you listen to uh, how negligent we've been ourselves in dealing with our own problems when it comes to the conflict, is it fair to call out the West on this matter? No, apart from it, I mean, if we take violent extremism and terrorism, I mean, the statistics do not barely the concern, certainly not for every country. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the UN resolution, the thirteen seventy three, established the Counterterrorism Executive Directorate that expected member states to inform the UN about levels of their preparation. You know, several years ago, I was head of counterterrorism at the African Union. Member states simply did not have the capacity to tell the UN about what their needs were because we have placed square pegs in round holes. And that is what is coming back to bite us 20 years later. So I think we need a self-reflective process. And then to say, these are the gaps that we need to plug. But I can tell you, it is the governance deficits in quite a number of our countries that are leading to these challenges. And whether you went to pump billions of dollars, it will just be a bottomless hole. I think this old rhetoric of blaming someone else for your problems must stop. Okay? The challenges that we face have been brought onto us by our own misdeeds. And therefore, I think it's quite uh, dis uh, disingenuous uh, to be blaming others. I mean, our president makes the comparison that there is uh, a full blown war in the heart of Europe, and you see the global mobilization by the West to, 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 to deal with that particular problem. And then you do a comparison what we're witnessing, especially in the SAP region, and there isn't as much attention, there isn't as much devotion of resources to it. And then you complicate that by what uh, Bolatinibu says tonight, uh, alleging that the West is actually now uh, pumping billions uh, into into fueling the conflicts in West Africa. If if that is anything to go by, at, at least they know what they are talking about. That the West is very complicit in what is happening. Well, but nobody can be complicit in your conflict if you don't allow the people to become complicit. I mean, who buys the weapons? Who brings them here? I mean, we know that Victor Bout, you know, during the 1980s, early 1990s was part of this criminal network 
that use end-user certificates provided by African governments that allowed Victor Bout to sell weapons to Liberia, Guinea, Democratic Republic of Congo, and almost every conflict system on this continent. Yes, the West will see our conflicts as business as usual. Okay? We would need to say, where does our national interest lie? And where do our strategic security interests lie? And how do we cohere these two so that we can serve our people? Okay? More often than not, we are complicit in bringing in mercenaries, in bringing in the weapons, in bringing in people who will destabilize our, our societies. So whilst, yes, we can point fingers, I think when we point one finger, four of them certainly point at, at us. And we need a more critical, self-reflective view of how to deal with these our problems. Uh, Mr. Sante, on the subject of the arms, though, uh, which is a problem, still circulating, you've talked about the, the latest numbers. Um, as we speak, we don't, we don't know what the actual numbers are. But are we any close to dealing with the sources of this particular problem? How porous is being to just flood our country and other countries in the West Africa with these um, arms and ammunition that then becomes a, the, the fuel to fuel conflict? Hello. Hello, Mr. Sante. Can you hear me? Yes, I'm straining to hear you. Yeah, I don't well, know I'm, just, I'm just trying to interrogate the, 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 the policies and the reason why we set up the Small Arms Commission to deal with this. In terms of resolving the problem, and the Professor Aini has said, said adequately a short while ago, that part of the problem is that we are creating these ourselves. If we're fixing the, the floodgates that allow the arms to come in, we will not be as alarmed by the conflict. Where are we in resolving this challenge with this illicit arms and weapons flooding our country? Okay, thank you very much. Um, I think you, you, you mentioned the porous nature of our borders, which is one of the challenges that we are dealing with, the security agencies are also dealing with. Um, we, I mean, there is that... Um, intelligence and believe that we have some of these weapons coming through the, the porous borders, which means that we will need the necessary equipment, surveillance equipment. We need to um, retool our security agencies to be able to patrol the borders and patrol the borders effectively. And so that is one of the challenges that we have to deal with. But as a commission, we are also focusing on the borders as we speak. And so we are in some of the borders. We have recruited trained officers um, that we are sending there, and we are also getting the necessary equipment that will help us to be able to detect some of these weapons. You know, sometimes uh, some of them are even able to smuggle them along the uh, approved routes because they hide some of these weapons in um, um, trucks, loads of, uh, you know, all kinds of things. And uh, it's difficult when you don't have the requisite equipment that will be able to detect these weapons. And that is something that we are seriously working on it. Um, um, even yesterday, we had discussions with the ministry. Um, they are trying to help us to procure some of these detective equipment that will help us to be able to detect some of these equipment. So that is the situation when it comes to the borders. And we, we should be able to get uh, uh, enough surveillance equipment, enough security personnel with the necessary equipment to be able to deal with some of these situations.
thank you very much. Uh, that's uh, JB Asante. He's the Deputy Director of Policy Planning and Monitoring Evaluation at the Small Arms Commission. Uh, LA head Ish- Dr. Ishmael Holovo is a lecturer at the University of Education, uh, Winneba, and of course an analyst in international relations. And Professor Chrissy Enning uh, is the Director of Faculty of Academic Affairs and Research at the Kofi Annan International Peacekeeping Training Center. Uh, let's hear uh, from you, uh, 055 uh, George, face here with the very latest from the world of business. Hello, George. Hi, Evans. And uh, coming up in business, Ghana's economic growth for second quarter slows to 3.2% due to contraction in some sectors. And economist Dr. Patrick Simon expects government to pass the IMF program review for the second crunch of displacement to come in. The business news on Newsnight is brought to you by MTN Business. Welcome to the new world of business. Kingdom Books and Stationery Centers, tanks, and pepsodent, charcoal, and herbal. Imagine strutting into the most anticipated wedding of the year, ah, only to see seven other girls wearing your exact same outfit. special and one of a kind and that's why whether it's voice data or sms you get to enjoy personalized offers tailored to your specific needs with mtn just for you dial star 141 hash or select your options on the my mtn app to redeem your unique just for you package on ghana's best mobile network mtn the Kingdom Books and Stationery Limited's Back to School promotion is here with us once again. From the 4th of September to the 31st of October 2023, Kingdom Books and Stationery Limited is giving a generous 10% to 15% discount on all school items like textbooks, pens, pencils, erasers, exercise books, and so much more across all our branches in Accra, Tema, Kumasi, Takradi, Winnipeg, and Cape Coast. Parents, teachers, and students, please hurry while stock lasts. For more information, call us on 0302-764-101 or 0302-764-209 or email info at kingdomgh.com. You can also visit our website www.kingdomgh.com. Kingdom Books, where quality and affordability are both assured. Terms and conditions apply. Syntex has it all. Syntex Tank was first to introduce double layer tank, and now you can have as many layers as you want. Syntex Tank was first to introduce white inner layer tanks in Ghana, and now introduces the customer specs order, which will let you order any color and size you want. Syntex Tanks gives you the biggest warranty of seven years, which no other tank gives you. So, whatever your water consumption, size of project, or demand, choose Syntex Tank. Syntex Tank, stress-free. Syntex Tank, reliable. Syntex Tank, maximum guarantee. Call 0244-335-168. Kumasi 0505-555-666. Or visit SyntexGH.com. Syntex Tank, a year strong, a year tough. Ghana, are you ready? 
Mark your calendar as the Makers House Chapel International presents the Experience Conference 2023. From the 1st to the 8th of October, it's the gathering of the spiritual luminaries of the land. Get ready to experience Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams, Reverend Dr. Mensah Otterbill, Archbishop Charles Ajina Sari, Reverend Dr. Ampia Kofi, Reverend Dr. Steve Mensah, Reverend Dr. Ebenezer Markwe, Bishop Frank Ofusu Apia, and your host, Dr. Michael Bwedinyamite. Come and experience Jesus, the miracle worker. Venue is the Destiny Arena of the Makers House Chapel International, Atomic, adjacent School of Nuclear and Allied Sciences. Time is 6.30 to 9.30 p.m. on weekdays, 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. on Saturday, and 8 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. on Sundays. It's going to be a life-changing encounter. The Experience Conference 2023. I can't wait. you welcome back to business on news night the country's economic growth in the second quarter of this year slowed now this is despite the two the 3.2 percent growth posted from april to june this year all the drivers of this action, James Ishen has more. Six subsectors under industry contributed to this reduction in growth for the second quarter of this year. One can talk about construction, which went down by more than 11%, followed by repair of motor vehicles and motorcycles, electricity, forestry and manufacturing. Despite this challenge, the service sector continued with its dominance as it posted more than 10 percentage expansion for the second quarter of this year. Agric, on the other hand, expanded by 1.3% compared to the more than 2% posted in the first quarter of 2023. The sector's growth was fueled by crops and cocoa. Industry, on the other hand, went down by just under a percent. And James Eshen with that report. Meanwhile, economist Professor Peter Cote is still pushing for some targeted investments in some of the sectors to fast-track the recovery. Don't have to celebrate this now. We have to wait and see what the next couple of months also bring. Receive this. We also have to continue to invest more in agriculture and industry. It clearly shows that um, some sectors are not doing too well. Construction is not doing too well. Um, manufacturing is also not doing too well. Negative growth in construction, about 11.7% in the second quarter of the year. Manufacturing minus 0.5%. These are not positive signals. Even with with uh, finance, um, usually we get more growth from the services sector driven by finance as well as ICT. ICT continues to dominate with 26.4% growth, but finance grew marginally by 0.4. So it tells you our financial institutions are still not out of the wood and we have to tread cautiously. 
And that is economist uh, Professor Peter Korte. Now, economist Dr. Patrick Sumin is projecting that government will pass the first IMF program review. It starts from next week. His comment is coming ahead of the much-talked-about IMF program review. It's supposed to start on Monday, September 25. But Dr. Sumin wants government to come clean on data that it will present to the fund. You know, based on what we've seen so far, uh, I would expect that the review would be positive and the government would have been assessed to have met the key criteria. Uh, so one area where maybe the government could have struggled would be the expenditure cut. I think this government has really has shown very little appetite for cutting uh, government expenditures. But you know, you see that what you put in the budget was extremely high. Uh. So even a little bit of a cut should be able to, to help. So honesty and being transparent with the information. I mean, it, it doesn't serve us if we try to hide any, any, any relevant information. I think we should put all the data on the table and then be honest where we are facing difficulties so that we address them and not try to, uh, uh, try to hide anything. And that is economist Dr. Patrick Sumina. Passing this test, we'll see the IMF board approve for disbursement some $600 million that should come in before the end of November this year. It could also trigger other donor partners to come in with some financial support for the country, including the World Bank. The Association of Ghana Industries has called on the Public Duties Regulatory Commission to ensure that industries pay fair tariffs. They argue that this has become imperative for industries to be competitive. The chief executive of the association, Mr. Chuma Kobwa, disclosed this when he spoke at the final day of the 2023 Association of Ghana Industries Industrial Summit and Exhibition. Eventually, we should have competitive pricing of energy for industry. We've managed to establish a trade house now in Kenya, and we are working towards getting Ghanaian goods there. But others are also consistently and constantly coming to our territory and looking for opportunities. But again, the underlying factor is about competitiveness. If you are not competitive, you sit in your own market, people will bring goods here, their goods will be much cheaper, and they will take away your market. And as I said, a major factor for determining the cost of production is energy. So we must get energy cost to the barest possible means. In Ghana, we've seen some improvement, honestly. I must commend, I know PRC is not here, but I'll commend them that if you look at the last tariff in September last year, eventually we are appreciating that industry should not subsidize residential users of energy. Sechuma Kabwa is the chief executive of the Association of Ghana Industries. Now, commercial banks are lowering their expectations for their profits when it comes to the full-year numbers. Now, banks ended the first half of this year posting some strong earnings following the record loss for last year. But Chief Executive of the Association of Ghana Industries, Johnny Watt, tells their business they are being measured on their outlook. Numbers are numbers. You don't have to run ahead of yourself. Mm. Um, in, in our view, uh, we have a strong industry that is ready to support economic activities. Of course, um, we have to also mimic the sentiments, economic sentiments of the country. Mm. And therefore, if things are not working very well economically in other sectors, you are definitely going to see its reflection within the banking system. Mm. And that is why we are very cautious mm. and very careful in blowing the horn you know, out of proportion. Mm. Yes. Um, the banks are recovering mm. and uh, so much that we can do a lot more we can do mm. but we believe that you know the, the mar market rates uh, must move in a direction that enables us 
to do even more. John Wise, Chief Executive of the Ghana Association of Banks. See, the stock market, if you hold Ecobank shares, it was up by 12 pesos and it's now worth four Ghana cities, 10 pesos. However, Farmilk was down by two pesos to close at three Ghana cities, three pesos. And that's all for business on News Night. Back to you, Evans. And thank you very much, George. And there is a lot of focus tonight from our listeners on the story about the Fix the Country movement demonstrations and protests uh, tomorrow that the police say they have uh, now filed a process in court and have successfully served that application on the movement uh, seeking to prohibit that particular process. Uh, Nana is on the Spinkers Road, says Evans did the current president and his friends not occupy the Jubilee House whilst Mahama was there. Uh, Prince in Tema says the police must stop trying to suppress the rights of the people by using the court keep it up and one of these days it will explode in our faces give people the space to vent out francis in Accra says please ask miracle if there if they were them what will they say or what would the reactions be uh this one says i wonder if the intelligence unit of the police is, uh, has been put to use some of these unfortunate incidents should not be happening in the 21st century and a final one uh, from our phones in Nandom says the government of the day doesn't pay attention to demonstrations. The demonstration in recent times are not getting any results. I think it will be unwise for citizens to continue doing something that doesn't bring in the results. Well, tomorrow, the protesters say uh, they will go ahead uh, with the uh, protest. It's still live here on Newsnight. It's on Joy 99.7 FM. Now, Alan Chemanting may have pulled out of the MPP flag bearership race with complaints that the process had been skewed to favor one particular candidate. Now, there are reports Mr. Chemanting is considering his political options and may run either as an independent candidate on a ticket of another political party uh, because of the deep grievance he has with the way the NPP conducted the superdelegates conference. Well, tonight, the party's election committee has been dismissing the allegations that the primary process has been skewed. Now, listen to the Vice Chairman of the MPP Elections Committee, Abankwa Yeboah, speaking to journalists after a meeting with the party's presidential aspirants today. To the best of my knowledge, I, I do not think the process was not fair. The process on 26th August was very fair, and uh, I believe for one or two incidents that took place, I think even the aspirants, when they came here, some of them came to congratulate us for the work we did. So to the best of my knowledge, I think the processes, the guidelines, everything that we put in place was as fair as practical. Uh, the one or two incidents that took place have been addressed. But on the whole, I believe it has been a very uh, good election on 26th. And we believe 20, on the 4th November, the party will prove everybody wrong and that the members of this nation, the party, would make sure that that election will be an exemplary one for all other political parties to emulate. We will not speak for any candidates. Uh, for me, ours is to make sure that we give an even playing field. If you have any concerns, the best process procedure is to lodge a complaint to the committee, which most candidates did. We have invited all the persons involved all over the country. We've done all that we can. We've done our investigation 
and we're giving a report. So our report is before the party for the necessary steps to be taken. Well, Samuel Mbura uh, was there for us and joins us in the studio right now. Samuel, they met the representatives of the various aspirants today. Why? The reason for the meeting was for them to draw the guidelines and the modalities for the November 4 Congress. It was only Adai Nimo who came there himself to participate in the meeting briefly. However, the camp of Dr. Mahmoud Baumia was represented by Fred Owari. Uh, Dr. Friakoto also sent a representative, same as Kennedy Japan. Uh, did we get any sense of what they discussed? And I'm, I'm getting the sense that this will be about laying out the guidelines and modalities for the final primary in, on November 4. Isn't it different from what we become accustomed to and what they deployed for the superdelegate elections? The modalities and guidelines used for the superdelegate elections stand such that the committee has entrusted the entire electoral process into the hands of the electoral commission. The Ghana Police Service will take care of the oversight security activities. There will be no special accreditation for the media and no congregation for the aspirants on the day of the elections. We know that this is going to be decentralized, uh, but they will have a voting center in um, the party or at the party's headquarters on the D-Day. Okay, and then would this be in constituency at the constituency level, all 275 constituencies? Yes, so the elections will be conducted at the regional level, the same centers that they use for the um, superdelegates congress. That's how they are going to um, conduct the election and then later declare at the EC's office. Mm. You've been speaking to some of the representatives who, who were there. You talked to uh, Fred Owari, for example, who represented Dr. Mahmoud Baumia. Uh, what, what is your take on the electoral process so far? It thinks that the election process from the Superdelegates Congress has been um, free and fair. They are hoping that getting into a November 4 election, that one will also be same. However, he has indicated that despite the fact that the delegates have bought into their messages, they are still touching base with them to ensure that what Ever they have for the party if Dr. Mahmoud Bamiya is given the nod to lead the party uh, would materialized. We didn't go with any uh, preconceived uh, positions. There are guidelines that we've been looking at since we started the process. Uh, we use uh, them for the special uh, delegates on the 26th of August and then uh, we brought in some refinement based on some of the concerns which were raised by other contestants to make sure that uh, there is peace within the party and that's what we agreed on there were no contentious issues whatsoever uh, we're finished we've signed each uh, candidate's representative has put his signature to it and the process has uh, completed and we hope to have a very peaceful elections on the November 4th. We've always worked hard uh, to win the elections. We're not winning it because uh, we're not doing any work. If you follow the campaign trail, you see there is one candidate who has been to uh, every constituency without uh, having cluster meetings. Uh, it's a lot of hard work. We start early in the mornings, sometimes as early as 6 we on the road, as late as 1 a.m. We're now retiring to go to bed. And so it's been a very difficult uh, process. We continue to do that, and making sure that we touch base with every of the, the 200,000 plus delegates and take our message to them. Well, one particular aspirant was there himself, Adai Nimo. Uh, he, he really believes he can 
he make a difference in the race? Yes, he says his performance in the Super Delegates Congress gives him that hope that he can make a difference. And he is Does he accept that it's a two horse race? He doesn't agree. He says that that's what the polls are putting before the media. And he is urging, on, uh, urging the media to stop the discussion on only two aspirants. He's hinting of springing a surprise in the November elections. Why do you go to a race without getting to the finishing line? We have to get to the finishing line. But you have the finances to continue. What do you mean by finances? We have over 200,000 delegates to reach out. Well, we, it's a matter of reaching out to as many delegates that you, you so can. How many have you Let reached out to? Let me tell you, the threshold for winning this election is 50% plus one. So if you have 200,000 delegates, then you need 100,000 plus additional one vote, and you win. How you will get your votes, the strategies are different. And this is what I keep on saying, that strategies are different. And so if I'm reaching out to people in, in the rural areas, in urban areas, who knows? At the end, it's for me how I convert to my votes, and the votes should be delivered. Opinion polls, that's opinion polls differ. Opinion polls, we have had so many opinion polls that they didn't work in this country. We've had people who, who said they are posters, they come out with their polls, and they don't wait. Those, those polls do not reflect on the day of election. So why not? I mean, the race to win. Who goes to the race not to win? You have to win. You have to work hard and secure victory. I mean, let me give you a typical example. In a 100-meter race where Usain Bolt is one of the sprinters and other sprinters, would they abandon the race that because Usain Bolt is in the race, they are abandoning the race? They will go. You never know what will happen to Usain Bolt by the time he gets to the 50-meter uh, 50, uh, 50 mark. He may pull out and somebody will have the opportunity to win. And that is how the race is. Francis Adainimo is seeking to lead the MPP into the 2024 elections. Uh, what do you make of his chances? 055 Now, tonight, the minority in parliament, uh, they are sounding the alarm bells on the government's plans to collateralize Ghana's stake in the 10 oil fields to secure a loan of $431 million. Now, just before parliament went on recess, GMPC sought approval of the Mines and Energy Committee to borrow more than $600 million, but the committee asked the company to bring the terms and conditions of the loan to the House for consideration and a decision. Now, the minority are now alleging that uh, President Kufado is uh, has asked GMPC to proceed and borrow more than $400 million without the approval of parliament. Now, speaking at a news conference today, minority spokesperson on Mines and Energy Energy argued that the terms of the loan agreement are so bad and skewed against Ghana. If we allow this government to plunder our oil resources, it will affect future generations. As if this is not enough, another document that was intercepted at the board level of the GMPC has five main components. The deed of indebtedness, the Joint Crude Oil Supply and Purchase Agreement, the Prepayment Facility Agreement, the Guarantee Facility Agreement, and the Crude Oil Supply and Purchase Agreement. The key in this has to do with the fact that GMPC is raising this facility from Letasco and Look Oil, and in return, they are giving out our oil to this company for the next five and a half years. Indeed, all of the oil in the 10 fields has been encumbered, including royalties, including surface rentals, and our carried and participating interest. All of it for the next five and a half years would 
be escrowed to this company. More importantly, every year, a minimum of 3.8 million barrels of our crude oil will be given to Letasco for this loan that is being raised. No one even knows what exactly they want to use the money for, apart from some repayment of debt. In addition to that, they are charging an interest of sofa plus margin. And when you look at the documents, and I refer you to page five of the document, apart from the sofa, the margin goes up to about 9.5% in respect of tranche B. So you pay the sofa rate and add 9.5% on that amount. This is mind boggling. You cannot plunder our oil resources in the way and manner in which the Akufado government is going about. Uh, let's bring in uh, Kojo Poku, who is executive director of the Energy Policy and, and Research, uh, uh, of course, also uh, recently run in an attempt to lead the MPP into the 2024 elections as a presidential hopeful. Mr. Poku joins us on the line now. Uh, Kojo, thanks for your time here on Newsnight. Uh, so you've listened to the minority side on this on this matter. Do they have a case? Um, I don't know what uh, my brother Jirapo is uh, doing a press conference now about. I would have expected him to do the press conference when they now approve the work program of GMPC. Because exactly what he's talking about, he approved it at the, end, at the committee level and took it to the plenary and have it approved on, in August by the plenary. He moved the motion and actually if he didn't move the motion, I think he seconded the motion for that motion to pass on his own committee report. So if you go to a committee session and approve a, a work program for GMPC, where GMPC came in and told you that they are going to borrow a certain amount of money, and you don't interrogate it at the committee level, and when the budget that you have approved, they seek to now put it in action, then you hold a press conference about it. That is where my challenge is. You know, we can all have a conversation when it comes to whether government should collateralize our oil receipts. I have a challenge with borrowing ahead of oil. You know, well, why do you have a challenge with that? Say that again? Why do you have a challenge with that? Because we've been doing that since 2010, and it hasn't helped us. I have always said that we should wait to receive the money and spend it. That means the interest and all those things don't eat into the oil benefits that we will get as a nation. But as a parliamentary um, committee member, you approved the, 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 the work program. The GMPC came to tell you that they are going to, in 2023, they are going to borrow X amount. You didn't interrogate it. You didn't have any problem with it. You approved the work program. GMPC is going ahead to do what they told you that they are going to do, and they are holding a press conference. I would have thought that then, when GMPC came to tell him at the plenary, sorry, at the committee level, then he would have held a press conference for all of us to support him to basically tell GMPC that, look, find ways to increase your production and stop collateralizing our oil receipts. Mm, but you have proved that budget. Thankfully, he joins us on the line, yeah, John Junapo, who's a ranking on the Mines and Energy Committee. Mr. Junapo, did you, in your capacity as the leader of your group on the committee, approve this work program? I'm surprised. That, who, who, who was the one talking? Kojopoku. Has he looked at the parliamentary resolution? Have I looked at what? Have you read the parliamentary resolution on the work program? Yeah, no, I have I have seen the so work you know that approved you approved it? and I've seen the order the order of which you approved. So are you saying that you did not you approve it minus the work program? 
So you should learn to get this facts before you, you go, you run on oh, this. Let me, let let me read one thing on the line where you kiss all of us. Did you approve the web program minus their borrowing of them by GMPT? No, we did not. Exactly. So what is the problem? And but you said we approved it, and why are we holding a press conference? You've drawn all kinds of conclusions. I thought you'd have contacted it to get the details before you make such conclusive statements. Did this come before you for consideration yes, and approval? Yes, 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 yes. The West Program was submitted to Parliament. They were in two trenches. The normal work program, which has a budget of 520 million or so, I had to pack, which we considered. In the work program, aside the normal budget, GMPC informed us that they wanted permission to borrow additional 620 million. That is different. The work program has our shares in our oil fields in terms of what goes into the ABFA, what goes into the stabilization fund, what goes into the heritage fund, and the equity part that goes to GMPC. That, that was not an issue. The main issue is that GMPC wants to borrow $620 million. And at that level, this, when it came, what was your position? And this is what Parliament approved. Let me read what Parliament approved to you. I'm reading it verbatim. It's titled, Letasco Loan Facility Refinancing. 10.3. Let me read what that says. The committee recommends to GMPC to lay the terms and conditions on the intended loan for the consideration of the house in accordance with article 181 of the constitution was that done is, pardon was that done that is where we're having the problem i mean so it hasn't been done has it been laid it down? hasn't been done but if it hasn't been done then it hasn't been affected. I mean, Parliament, can they go ahead with that? And yet, GMPC has taken this agreement to their board for approval to sign. I have seen the loan agreement. In the loan agreement, there's nowhere, not even a single line, that contemplates that we should go to Parliament for approval. I've been a minister at that ministry before. When two parties are constructing an agreement and they intend that they would seek parliamentary approval. It will be stated explicitly there. It's not in the agreement, that is one. Two, I have another document which I'll share with you. A board memo from the chief executive seeking for approval from the board to sign and in all the conditions precedent for the effective implementation or to bring this agreement into effect. Parliament is never mentioned. I have another minute of 14th of September in which the president chairs a meeting attended by the chief of staff, secretary to president, deputy minister of energy, Letasco officials, the minister of finance, and the GMPC chief executive, where the president purports to give them express approval that they should proceed without parliamentary approval. Mm. Uh, Mr. Jinapo, stay with me. I just have a, a, a few seconds to wrap up. Uh, Mr. Poku, he's clarified this. Does that address the concerns you raised? Mr. Jinapo from the NDC is making this statement. They are the very people who said the president that GMPC does not need parliamentary approval for any borrowing. It was GMPC's time when that ruling came from the court. Please, please. So please, I'm surprised please, he's please. making that allegation. That, please, that somebody from GMPC is seeking to approve something without parliamentary. When indeed it was the NDC that gave that uh, ruling, got that ruling from the court. 
when it was that time, they enjoyed it where GMPC yeah. doesn't, doesn't yeah. need parliamentary approval. Yeah. Now that is being done, Can we have a problem with point, it. Yeah, I mean, m Mr. Poku, thank you very much. Mr. Jinap, unfortunately, we ran out of time, and I know you love football, and uh, we have to cross over now to the Champions League, uh, Mr. Jinap. Thank you very much for joining us on this uh, matter. I guess uh, the lads are physically evicting me from here. Uh, because a certain football team that I used to love, Manchester United, is about to play against Bayern Munich. It's going to be a slaughter. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mr. Kranti, 